Well, good morning, good morning. Welcome to Milestone Church. I'm so honored that you're here. As Alex said, uh, we know that each and every weekend at someone's first time, if this is your first time and I have not had an opportunity to meet you, I look forward to meeting you after service. Thank you so much for joining us this morning. Well, we're diving into a little series uh, on vision over the next couple of weeks. And you may be wondering, okay, vision, what does that mean? Pastor Chris, you're going to talk to us about vision for the church and, and where we're going as a church. Well, that'll tie into it a little bit. I'll weave that in just a little bit. But really what I want to do is I want to talk to you about God's specific vision for you and how perspective plays into that. What does that look like and how does that, that impact our lives? I'm going to ask you to open up your Bibles, Matthew chapter 6. We're going to get to Jesus' most famous sermon, uh, but we're also going to look in Luke chapter 15. So you can kind of hold both of those places there in your Bible, but perspective is a unique thing. Perspective is very unique because perspective, really, when I think about perspective, it goes towards the why, right? The why behind the what. Our perspective helps us dictate and understand the why behind the what. Why do we do what we do? And when you think about the why behind the what or the word why, it helps us identify motive, right? But it also, what it does is it also, it, it creates a platform for an, for an inquiry, like, I got a question. What's going on? Help me, help me better understand this, right? I had a moment like that this past week. Maybe you've had moments like this before. And uh, sometimes, you know, those why moments kind of come up, uh, you know, out of nowhere seemingly, right? And, and sometimes they're obvious, like, man, you kind of have this moment. But I had this moment uh, this, this week, and, and maybe you've had this moment as well. I, I had it when I asked to borrow my wife's phone. You ever, you ever use someone else's phone? You know what I'm talking about? Or, you know, it's unfamiliar to you. You're like, what's going on? And, you know, you kind of, you, 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 you open up their phone and it's like, man, like, why do you even have a wall? I can't even see your beautiful family. You just got like apps everywhere, you know. Maybe some of you, you're kind of like, you're, you kind of like, everything needs a home. So you kind of like throw all your apps in one if you're like on an iPhone. You throw all your apps in one little area and you stack them and you got a nice little label. Some of you, you're just kind of like, I just downloaded the app. Wherever it landed, it landed. It's kind of like, it's just there. You just kind of like, you know, when, after you swipe more than once, you got too many. You're like, I got so many pages of apps, you know. Well, I had a moment like that, you know, because the thing about an app, when you download an app, it, it asks you, it says, do you want to receive notifications? Okay, so if I get a notification, if I say yes, I'll get a notification. Maybe it's about the news or sporting event or maybe I got a, a message from a particular app and, and things like that. And so, but, but what it will also do is sometimes if there's correspondence that comes through there, you'll get little notifications and it kind of looks like this. This is actually my phone. You know, get, you get these little circles, right? So my emails, you know, I kind of like, let's go through the emails. Let's get them out of the way. Let's, you know, I like, I'm that guy, you know, I'm that person. I like, let's put it all in one, one area. It's easy to find. I kind of like stack the things together. And in fact, I created, it's called Daily. These are kind of some of the apps that I'm in daily, periodically. And I got, you know, I got two pages of them. You know, I got a little reminder on there. I just got one, one little circle, you know, and, and my goal is like, let's get rid of the circle, right? I don't. I don't like the circle. But I used Wendy's phone this week. And her phone looks a lot different than mine. But don't show it yet. Don't show it. Don't show it. I'm going to set this up now. I just, in all fairness, I use this with permission. So I get Wendy's phone and I had one of these 
why moments. Like, wh- wh- why? What, what, what are we doing? And, and so this is what I saw when I, when I clicked on, on Wendy's phone. It was this. And that's not, that's not like graphic design. That does say 84,131 unanswered emails. So if you sent Wendy an email, I apologize. She's got a lot to get to before she gets to yours. That's 60 missed calls and then 19 unanswered messages. If you've texted Wendy, I apologize. You're sitting in there. She'll get to you at some point, probably a lot sooner than, than mine. And so, you know, I see that and like this would drive me crazy. Like I don't even like the like number one with the circle, but much less when it turns into a rectangle. Like, you, you know, like, I mean, you know, you get back from vacation, you got a couple hundred emails, you kind of whittle that down real quick, but 84th, I mean, one of the things that I love about Wendy, she's not going to do anything halfway, she can go all out, we got 84,000, at this point, I've told her, like, babe, why don't you just archive all, just like, just, just so you can get rid of it, but at this point now, I'm like, babe, just leave it there, it's just great sermon illustration material, we'll just keep it on there, so, but, but you think about that, you go, Pastor Chris, what's the point, point? here's the point, Two very different perspectives. For Wendy, this drives me crazy, but for Wendy, it's like, no big deal. I don't, I don't care about that. Not that she doesn't care about you or the email. Like, all the unanswered, the 84,000, the 19, she, she's not worried by that. You see, perspective dictates how you see things. And what I want to talk to you about is something that is very important to the heart of God. And I want us to see how that thing ties to vision and how when we recognize how God sees it, my hope and my prayer is that it impacts how you see it. You see, because when you look at the words of Jesus, perspective is so significant and key because when you're looking at perspective, what it does is it helps you determine how you see things. If you've been around me any amount of time at some point, at some level, we'll talk about perspective, and you'll hear me say this often. Perspective is key because if you don't see it right, you won't respond right. If you don't see it properly, you won't respond properly. That'll translate in your relationships. It'll translate in your marriage. It'll translate in your interactions with people. It'll translate how you understand and you navigate challenging situations in life. That's why when we go to God's word, it's so significant because when we go to God's word, here's what we're getting. We're getting God's perspective on a situation. We're getting God's perspective on the challenges in my marriage. We're getting God's perspective on how I should engage with my children and how I raise and steward my family. We're getting God's perspective on faith. We're getting God's perspective on the fact that I stepped out in vision. I started this new business, and I thought I was just going to be Fortune 500 in the first year, but it's taking a long time. God, what's going on? What's your perspective on faith? What's your perspective on walking in obedience? And so we're going to go to God's word and we're going to look at Matthew chapter 6. Most famous sermon, the Sermon on the Mount. In the middle of this, here's what Jesus says in Matthew chapter 6 verse 22. He says, the eye is the lamp of the body. If your eyes are healthy... Your whole body will be full of light. But if your eyes are unhealthy, the whole body will be full of darkness. 
Now, I learned something about this text this week. I've read this text before. I've shared this text before. But I learned something new about this text this week. You see, in ancient times, these people during this season, the way they saw this scripture, and the reason this is so significant on Jesus sharing this is what they actually believed was this, that it's not just light coming into your eyes that allows you then to be able to see everything. What they actually thought was that your lights actually emitted light. So as you grow in your relationship with God, as you understand his word, it impacts you and the light comes out of you. It's like a, head, it's like a lamp or a headlight in the direction that you're going. It's outward. Hence, this little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine. We think of a candle, I'm going to hide it under a bush. No, it, you start thinking about what's happening inside of me starts getting projected out to those around me. You see, what is he talking about? He's talking about, listen, if you are focused internally, introspective and self-centered and greedy, I'm not talking evaluating like I want to evaluate where I'm at and I need to grow. I'm talking about self-centered. It's all about me. Greedy. How do I move forward? I'm not thinking outside of myself and others. Then what he's saying is actually the darkness through which you're viewing through. That's an unhealthy perspective. It's only a matter of time before it creeps in and it becomes internal and it becomes your reality. People today would probably, rather than using light or darkness, they would probably use positivity, negativity. I, I get rid of that negativity, get that negativity away from me. I want only positive vibes. My, I'm like, like, is someone actually like, like, I don't know when I read that, like, I'm sending vibes your way. I don't know, like, what is happening? But that's really what they're trying to say. That's really, but Jesus is keying in on it. He's saying as you become outward focused, as you walk in health internally, that light is actually emitted from you and it impacts those around you. You go, well, I like that perspective. Okay, I want to grow in that. I want some vision. I mean, who wouldn't? Very few people do I meet that say, I like less vision. I like, you know, just kind of have an unhealthy perspective. Most of us want that, but here's the challenge. How do we get that? How do we get there? How do we navigate that? So so what I want to do is help us understand a little better how does vision work? How does vision work? Well, Well, first is this. Vision has to be personal. It's personal. You see, there's this encounter with God. It's connected to relationship. Vision comes from being with God. You want a vision for your life? You got to get with God. There there is vision that comes from a personal encounter with Jesus. The more you spend time with him, the more you're connected to him. Well, I'm just busy. I got all the, yeah. But you are crazy in control of your schedule and your time. The more that you're connected, the more vision you have, the more disconnected the more dark it feels and you're just aimlessly feeling around. But here's another thing about vision. It's a process. It's like a seed that grows. you got to water it. you got to tend to it. you got to nurture it. You see, people that see vision come to pass in their life are people that are willing to pay the price. And they're committed to the process. See, one of the things that I love about this generation and why I love being around this generation and investing in them, they're dreamers, man. They got dreams, they got ideas, it's amazing, and I love it. 
They're, they're probably a little more of a dreamer than even maybe my generation. That's a hard reality for me because I'll be 44 this summer. I used to always be like, our oh, generation, I'm, I'm old now. It's like that, that's actually too, well, I'm, I'm in a different generation, okay? You know, you just got to like just take it as it comes, all right? But, but I love that. But you want to know why I get passionate about that generation? This younger generation that dreams, here's where we haven't fully helped them. They have a lot of dreams, but they don't know how to execute. You've got a lot of ideas and a lot of opinions, but are you doing anything? You see, we have to help them see that. Because if they take execution and put it with that dream, watch out. Because that's the difference between dreamers and visionaries. That's the difference between having a dream and having a vision. Someone who has vision is committed to the process because it's just not going to happen overnight. You got to stay the course. You got to be willing to pay the price. You got to keep going and keep going and keep going. So, what happens is when we understand vision and how it works, we recognize it's a process. It's not going to happen overnight. And I'm willing to pay the price. But here's the other thing about vision that helps me understand how it works is there's provision for a vision. That's that's what provision means. It means for the vision. God provides. Now, I wish in, in all the years I've been serving the Lord, I wish he'd just sit me down and go, here's what we're going to do. Chris, we're, it's going to look like this, and this way, and it's laid out. It's a ready-made plan. I know every step of the way. Some of you planners, you're like, yes, can I, God, where are you? You know, I like that, God. I like that. You know, every, and look, here's all the resources you're going to need. Here's the challenges that are coming, but don't worry. I'm telling you what they are ahead of time. It's going to be okay. Here's the things that you're going to, I love that. I mean, who would want, like, I signed me up for that. Yeah, God, let me know every little, but it don't work that way. Don't work that way. God says, when you step out in obedience, I'll provide for the vision. And provision isn't always just resources and money and dollars. Like, oh, I'm going to step out and start this business, and so God's just going to provide money. No, no, no. Sometimes provision is the faith that you need. God, I'm believing for you to work and move in a way. We just got done singing about it. God, even when I don't see that you're moving and working, you're working and moving. You hear me say it all the time. God's doing 10,000 things on your behalf, and you may be aware of three of them. So there's provision, and every time you step out, God gives another piece and makes it more clear. The vision that he has for your life. But here's the, here's the last one when it comes to vision that, that I think that we miss sometimes. We overlook, and it's probably the biggest one that we miss, and it's this. It's people. It's people. You see, every time God gives you vision from him, he's going to increase your love and awareness for others. He's going to expand your perspective and your vision when it pertains to other people. You see, what trips us up is this, is when we come to the realization that God doesn't love the vision, he loves people. He's going to give you a vision, but he's giving you a vision not just solely because of the vision. It's not about the tasks. It's about people. You see, it's people at the end of the day that are the essence behind why he gives you the vision. Just take your family, for example. What's the vision for your family? The vision he's giving you for your family is because the essence behind why he's doing what he's doing is so that you see in a greater way the impact that's going to have on the people that matter the most to you. You see, vision impacts 
people. You see, here's what happens. When God expands your vision, he always starts with a greater value for people. If he's going to expand your vision, it's going to walk, coincide with that front door being, I have a greater value for people. I think about Easter. We just got done talking about Easter. And Easter is an amazing time. But the whole premise for Easter is not just so we have another service and you wear your Easter best and we have a couple of extra services and you got that 8 a.m. service. You're like, oh, sunrise. Some of you grew up in that context. You know, a little sunrise. It's really, the sun's already been up a while, about an hour and a half or two, so it's not technically a sunrise service. You know, Some of you are like old school. You're like, can we do that? Can we find a pond somewhere, get a cross out there, do a little sunrise service? You know, It's not about all that stuff. 20 plus years of being a part of or preaching or doing Easter services. Can I tell you? It's not about all the work and the serving and all those things. We'll do it all. At the end of the day, you want to know why we do it? People. It's people. That people would come to know Jesus. And what I love about Milestone Church is from the very beginning, it's always been about people. For years. We'll celebrate 20 years this coming fall. And for years, it's always been reaching people, building lives. And Luke 15 has been a a passage of scriptures that has always guided why we do what we do. In fact, I've heard Pastor Jeff preach Luke 15 numerous times. He was here. We had a a, a gathering. It was a vision night that we did with him on on a Sunday evening. Last summer, he talked about Luke 15. If you've ever been to 101, you hear me talk about Luke 15 and share the premise and the principle. Because when you look to God, word, there's always a pattern in God's word, all throughout his word. And so Luke 15 has been something that's marked who we are. And in fact, I want to share with you and I want us to watch together Pastor Jeff sharing what we're sharing across all of our campuses this weekend as he shares about the significance of Luke 15 and what Jesus is saying to us about vision and about people. So let's watch this together. These passages in Luke chapter 15 that I'm about to share with you and sort of story tell, preach, read to you. These set of passages are the anchor passages that in one segment of every person that comes with a desire to understand more of who God's called us to be here at Milestone Church, I talk about these passages. As we have grown over the last 20 years, every single time I share on it, my intensity for these passages have not waned, have not diminished, but actually increased. Because as you touch and you impact and you serve more and more people, it's easy to lose sight of these passages. As you grow a little bit older and you like things the way you like things, anybody know what I'm talking about? You need to be reminded of these passages. As you study more scripture and you get more knowledge and you have more things you know and more things you can kind of get sidetracked in, you need to know these passages. When you kind of get to going to church and you kind of get in the routine of church, you you need to be reminded of these passages right here in Luke chapter 15 because Jesus is telling us with repetition what's important to him. In fact, in the Bible, repetition equals emphasis. And Jesus tells three stories in one chapter and he's saying, this is a big deal to me. He starts 
with a story about some sheep. He starts and says there's 100 sheep and one of the sheep wanders off. One of them wanders off. Now, we did not live in Jesus's day. If you've never been to the Middle East, then the sheep drive the economy. The sheep are where you get the milk. The sheep are where you get the clothes. The sheep are where you get your food. Not so much for us today. So when we think about one sheep wandering off, we're like, well, it's just one sheep. We got 99 more. And what do we need a sheep for anyway? My assistant recently sold her home here in Keller and she and her family moved out a little bit north of here. Like everyone, I grew up in the country. Country people wanna live in the city and eat organic and city people wanna move to the country and try to act like they're from there. So she got her a little hobby farm in the country. My wife and I and my kids, we went up there to see the little place. It's pretty interesting. They had a few sheep. I think they had Lizzie and Esther and a few of them. And there's, there's I think that's Lizzie right there. Notice a, a, a very intense sheep farm with the Adirondack chairs there with the gravel where you sit around the fire pit and you eat marshmallows while the sheep walk around and you pet them. That's a real countrified atmosphere. So I just asked them, I said, why did we get some sheep? They said, we needed some sheep for our hobby farm. I said, Do you, are you gonna shear them? Oh, no, we're not shearing Lizzie. I said, will you eat them? They said, oh, we're not eating Lizzie. Are you kidding me, Pastor? I mean, are you joking me? So we just have them. Cool. We just have some sheep, you know? I, I would almost want you, so you can feel the weight of what Jesus is saying, to think about if you lost a car. That's a better analogy. You have a few, but they're all important. And some of you are looking at me like, lose a car, pastor? Hold on a minute. I have teenage drivers. This could happen. <laughs> this could happen. We lost some mirrors. One of my daughters knocked one mirror off. The other one knocked a mirror off. This shows the difference in their personalities. One of them came to me weeping and crying. Daddy, I knocked my mirror off. The other one taped it up with duct tape and acted like nobody could tell that she knocked her mirror off. <laughs> Two different personalities. But if you lost a car, if I go home tonight and we've lost a car, we've gotta go find the car. And Jesus says, if one wanders off, we go for the one, which is hard for us when we live in a growing area where we're around lots of people. Why do we need one more? Why would we care about one? Why would we focus on one when we have 99? We already have 99 that are in my way. Why would I wanna get one more to be more in my way? Because Jesus is saying the eternal destiny of that sheep there in his story is related to the people as he continues the story. And the value of that one, as you see the value, you go get it. And I just wanna emphasize this even after the last few years, where quite honestly, as a pastor, I was a little bit discouraged by the emphasis points of so many people as I pastored people through a worldwide crisis. We lost sight of what Jesus cares about. We got on our little thing and forgot about the one that was going to hell, the one that was gonna be lost. And as long as we were focused, we lost sight of what it says in Luke chapter 15, 
that when that one comes back, there's more rejoicing. Everybody say more rejoicing. There's more rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who repents than 99 people talking about their favorite religious thing. That's in the book. You're looking at me like you're mad. I, I really don't care, but I do want to say it's in the book. Are you with me? Come on now. Everybody's like, whoa, man. 99, one, when the one comes, heaven rejoices. I love that. More. How do you cause more rejoicing in heaven? The one. Well, he keeps going. He says his lady had 10 silver coins, 10 silver coins and loses one. I don't know, we have coins in our ashtray, we have coins in our cup holder, we have coins in our couch. You know, you could go turn your couch upside down probably tonight and just find some savings in there. Y'all know what I'm saying. So we're like coins, you know, I have a coffee can with coins. 10 coins, I like to think of it as maybe the remote, the lost remote, are y'all with me? I don't get to watch TV much, but like when I get ready to watch it, my kids, you know, there's like, we have five remotes and I don't know how to control the TV anymore because it has so many smart features, I'm too dumb. But uh, we always don't have the remote that controls what you're looking for. So there are times as a dad, you have to go full positional. And you're like, your entire vision for your life is defined the remote. Anybody know what I'm talking about? It's like, okay, we're finding the remote. Well, it says that this lady searches and looks for it and goes on an all-out search. Why? Because the coin is so valuable, a lost coin. But then, I'm warning you for a minute, a careful search for a lost sheep and a careful search for a coin is hard for us to really relate to if we're honest. So Jesus uses three stories and he finishes with a story that everyone can really relate to. He says there's a lost kid. There's a lost son. And if you've ever been around someone who had a lost son or daughter, not just in the physical, we've all maybe lost our kids at the mall or had a little thing where we got scared and panicked and where did they go? But he's really speaking about they're lost in life. All of us can think maybe about a brother or a friend or a sister or a spouse or again, he's appealing to the kid because there's no pain like kid pain and he says there's a son and many of you may know the story, some of you may not, but this is the story of what's called the prodigal son, the lost son, the son that goes away and in Jewish culture it would have been like spitting in his father's face or, or slapping him or, or actually disrespecting him at the highest level. He says, give me my inheritance and he goes off into what the Bible says, loose living. I was preaching this passage uh, a few years ago. We showed a little video and I was preaching this passage when we were over on Keller Parkway, 801 Keller Parkway behind Taco Casa. Somebody sent me a picture recently that they photoshopped a Taco Casa out here in this new development. That was really wrong. But anyway, it was, it was really wrong to do your pastor like that. But anyway, and I don't think they're gonna put a Taco Casa. It might be good if they did. We could stay with the narrative. But anyway, we were, we were behind Taco Casa, the house of the taco, five services, and I preached on the lost son and... I walked out and there was a man who came out as I was shaking hands with tears in his eyes and he gave me a picture of his son. He said, here pastor, this is my lost son. He said, would you pray for him? 
was early in the weekend. I put the picture in my pocket. I stood up that weekend and said, we're gonna pray for so-and-so's son. By the end of the weekend, as I preached on the subject, as I talked about this guy who had asked me to pray for his son, I ended the weekend with little torn pieces of paper and bulletins and things saying, pray for mine, pastor. Pray for mine, pastor. Pray for mine. Jesus appeals at the deepest level there and it says that it happens where this son as, as the Bible says, is what we pray for all of us, pray for that person who we know right now is off. Maybe it's us. Maybe someone's praying for you. But when we're moving away from God's plan for our life, we all have seen it. Isn't it amazing how it's easy to see it in someone else's life, but hard to see in our own? And, and, and you see them headed that way. And, and what we pray is what the Bible says, this son, the Bible says, came to his senses in a place where he realized even my dad's servants are treated better than where I live, and the Bible says he went back home. That's God's heart for every person that's away from him is come back home. Come, come back home to me, and of course the perspective of the story is pretty powerful. It's not about the lost son. It's really about God's heart for us in that the dad doesn't wait. He doesn't bring up everything that was wrong. He takes off running and embraces the son, which shows the heart of God to, to embrace him and love him. But there's also in the story an older brother that represents the danger for all of us the longer we're around it the ease with which we can slip into the older brother mentality to not celebrate the son coming home, to think about our parking spot and our seat and our stuff and our agenda and our different feed or whatever we think about and not celebrate. And the loving father turns to the older brother and says, everything I've ever had has always been yours. But now your son's come home. Your brother's come home, my son. We're throwing a party because he's come home. And so in those three stories, God shows us his heart. I started sharing those passages early 20 years ago and you think about Milestone Church and again, everyone who comes here says there's a friendliness, there's a warmth, there's a, but part of it is the recipe that we're always as a church family not concerned necessarily with the program or the buildings or the activities that we do, but to keep that focus on that next person walking through the door could be someone's prodigal. The next person that we see could be the person that someone's praying for. It could, and this is why I tell you every time God wants to increase your vision, he'll increase your heart for people. Every time he wants to take you to a new place, he'll always start here by saying, that's what I love, not what you're trying to produce. Every time God stirs you in the area of vision, he'll stir you in his value for people. You see, as Pastor Jeff is sharing here out of Luke 15, and you think about the significance of what this means. When I look at the history of Milestone, it's always been about people. He, he said it. It's not about the programs. It's not about the activities. It's not about the building. It's not about paint or new carpet or things that we're doing at any of our It's not about campuses. and It's about people. All of those things are attached and connected to people. People's lives being impacted, 
prodigal sons that are far from God, prodigal daughters that are far from God, people that you're believing for and praying for, people I'm believing for and praying for, them coming to know Jesus. How do we keep from becoming a holy huddle of 99 that's just concerned about us and goes, time out, no, 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 I'm going for the one. It's just that. We focus on the one. We focus on the one. You see, because I'm grateful for that. I was once that one. You were once that one that someone was praying for, that someone went after, that someone invited. You see, that's why we do what we do. That's why we have things like Easter. That's why we have, you think, well, I thought, well, I mean, I thought we, we had things like Easter because it's a holiday. It's more than a holiday. I always laugh, you know, and think, and it's true. I mean, we've turned it into that. My favorite holiday. It is a celebration and declaration of what Jesus did on the cross for you and me. Now, what I do love about it is at one moment in all the world, the world stopped. You go into CVS, guess what? Easter. You go into Kroger, guess what? Easter. So even in that, there's this wiring and understanding of knowing, hey, whoa, whoa, there's something far bigger and far greater than what I'm living for and what I'm dialed into. You see, God has a significant purpose. And when we think about the one, it changes how we see God's vision for our life and how that vision plays out. So how do we grow in God's vision? How do I do that? How, how do I, I like this. I want to grow in vision. I want to be thinking about people. How do I actually apply this to my life? Well, here's the first thing. The first thing is this. We have to value what God values. We have to value what God values. In our immaturity, we all get dialed into things that are not important. In our immaturity, we all get stuck and focused on things that are not that important to God. Now, they can be godly things. They could even be biblical things. But it's amazing at the end of the day, all the things in the religious activity and the boxes we want to check and all the nuances of, of, of church that we can get dialed into, we can put value on things that really is not ultimately what God is saying is the ultimate value. I do it, you do it, we all do it. How do we get out of that? Well, Jesus looks and in a moment he goes, hey, look up. The harvest is plentiful. The harvest is ripe. It's in that moment that God takes me to his word. When I get dialed into all the tasks and all the things that God reminds me, hold on. It's about more than all that stuff. It's about people. It's about people. And so what happens is God will use moments and he will use his word to shift, remember, our perspective. He does this in the book of James, James chapter 4. Verse 3, it says, when you ask, you do not receive because you ask the, with the wrong motives that you may spend what you get on your pleasures. You see, you're praying and you're asking and you're wanting to receive. And it's not that God doesn't want us to have things that we can enjoy. He's just saying along the way, I want to shift your perspective. You're you're, you're putting value on something that I don't value as the ultimate thing. Nothing wrong with all of those things, but I want to make sure you have the appropriate amount of value on things. Why? Because when you gain that and the fireworks begin to go off, you start thinking, I see people for how God sees people. I see my neighbors for how God sees my neighbors. I see my family and my loved ones and those that are far from God 
as God sees them. I see my coworkers or my employees or my boss, how God sees them. So if, if we're going to grow in God's vision, we have to value the things that he values. But here's the second thing. We have to recognize that fulfillment comes from loving and serving other people. People experience a lot of busyness, but they don't always experience a lot of fulfillment. You may go, Pastor Chris, that's how I feel. I don't feel fulfilled in my work. I don't fulfill, feel fulfilled in school, or uh, I don't fulfill, uh, feel fulfilled in life. And can I tell you, though, the people that are most fulfilled aren't looking internally at themselves. They're looking outwardly. It, it's, it's like that light that shines out and impacts others around. So how do, I, how do I grow in that? How do I know if I'm actually doing that? How do I know if I'm thinking about other people? You know, because most people, the way in which they start that on-ramp and that question is, well, I'm, I'm a good person. You are. You're good people. I know most of you. You're, you're good. I'm good. That's not the starting block. It's good that you're good. How do I know I'm actually, like, serving and loving other people? Here's a couple. Now, this isn't exhaustive and, like, this is everything. But here's a few that will help you know how to gauge. First is this. Am I willing to be inconvenienced to help someone? That's a hard one. You just circle that word inconvenience because I don't know about you. I'm not a real fan of inconvenience. And I find that I miss opportunities to love on and serve other people because it inconveniences me. Now, I never start with, like, man, you're an inconvenience to me, so I don't want to help you. It starts with, I got somewhere to go. I got something to do. I got my agenda, my to-dos, my, 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 how I'm missing the mark of what Jesus said is the most important thing and what he values. It's my inconvenience. So am I willing to be inconvenienced? That's how I know I'm really experiencing fulfillment because I'm willing to be inconvenienced to, to, to uh, help and serve other people. Am I willing to be vulnerable and rejected to serve someone? It's a hard one. We don't like rejection. I had a conversation with my daughter. She was talking about meeting someone she didn't know at school. She's like, man. I, mean, I said, well, what do you think is the change? She's like, I mean, kind of like you get out there and like, what if I'm like I'm rejected? Like, what if she like I say hi and she's just like walks off? I'm like, it could happen. But I said, you know what? You're in good company. You know who experienced rejection when they reached out to serve. You know who, who experienced that when they were vulnerable and put themselves out there? Jesus. Jesus experienced that, yet he still did it to serve and love other people. Are, are you focused on people instead of issues? Are you focused on people instead of issues? We get dialed up about issues. We all got our thing that we're dialed up on. Can I, let me just encourage you. If you are as passionate about people as the thing or the issue that you're real passionate about, we'd change the world like that. I'm not telling you it's a bad thing. I'm not telling you you shouldn't be passionate about it. But if we were just equally as passionate about what Jesus says is the ultimate value, just think of the impact that we could have. So I know that I'm going to experience this fulfillment if I'm, I'm focused on people more than just issues. Am I always looking for simple ways to add value to people? Here's one. Am I willing to invest my time, my talent, my treasure to make an eternal impact in the life of someone I just met or have not met yet? Jesus is significant. It's why we encourage you to take next steps next week with Growth Track 101 and 201. You have a time. We talked last week. Everyone 
within the sound of my voice has a gifting and a wiring and how God uniquely designed you. And when you leverage that for kingdom purpose, there's an eternal impact. You see, you experience fulfillment when you operate that way. Or how about this one? I'm intentional about praying for and inviting people who feel on the outside. I'm intentional about it. I'm thinking about those around me who may be far from God. I'm, I'm intentional about wanting to invite them and pray for them and reach out to them and be aware of what's happening and going on in someone else's life other than my own. You see, you make a difference every time you value people. And that's what we want to know. Am I making a difference? It doesn't matter the age, the season of life, the vocation, the profession, the experience, how long you've been serving Jesus. Can I tell you what I love about this principle that Jesus is giving us? Is we can all add value to people. We can all add value to people. Because when you do, it makes an eternal impact. I'm reminded of a story of one of our staff members at our Keller campus. Her name is Samara. Now, before she was on staff, she uh, was raised in a Muslim home. She got radically saved. And her and her fiance were looking for a church. She walks into a Starbucks in the Keller area. She sees a, a small group, a milestone small group meeting in Starbucks. And she decides, well, we're going to go to that church. And so they go, and they start getting involved and connected, growing in their relationship with God. Well, her and Joel, they become intricately a part of Milestone, and they start getting involved. They start serving, but they're praying and believing for her parents, who are still Muslims. Well, her parents end up coming, and they were invited to uh, our new campus that's there in Keller, and they came and visited, and God began to work and move in their life, and her parents, who were Muslim, got radically saved, baptized, and are now serving on our greeter team. In fact, on a weekend just like this, they're probably someone just like you if you're a greeter who's out there opening the door and making a way for someone to come in and experience spiritual family. You see, Joel and Samara experienced spiritual family, and now her parents are experiencing it. But there was a moment that was significant. It was a special moment when we were about to move into that building. When we were moving into that building, we took a, a time and, and the concrete was still bare. There were beams and walls were up. And we still had some time before we were going to be in the building. But we took a time and we, as a church family, as a spiritual family, took a season and came in and began to write scriptures and names of people that we were believing for and praying for. And this is a picture of Samara actually writing scripture and writing her parents' names on the concrete of that floor in Keller. That years later, through an invitation, they would come. Their lives would be radically impacted. They would surrender their life to Christ and serve Jesus. And you think, Pastor Chris, now what's the significance of that? I mean, writing on concrete? Is this like what... What happened was... When we do what we do, buildings, programs, renovations, it's not about those things. It's about Samara's parents. It's about your family member and your loved one. And so as I thought about 
this significant moment that we had an opportunity to have in Keller. And well, we're in an established building, we're here, but started thinking we're in the middle of renovations. Let's leverage that moment. Let's leverage that moment for you and for me, for us as a spiritual family to go, who am I believing for? Who am I believing that is far from God that could come to know Jesus? And so next week what we're going to do is the team that's doing the renovations is going to have all of the commons out there ripped up and the concrete prepped. And next Sunday afternoon we're going to have a window of time. Kind of like an open house, just come and go. It's you know not anything formal, but we're going to create a window of time for you to come. And you to take a step of faith and go, I'm believing for this prodigal. I'm believing for a loved one. I'm believing for a neighbor. I'm believing God's word for this spiritual family, for what God wants to do in and through Milestone McKinney because it's not about buildings and it's not about campuses because I've told you before, we're going to keep growing. We're not going to be in this building forever. But it's the premise of going, God, I'm stepping out in faith and I'm believing that if you can work in Samara's parents' life, that you can work in my parents' life and you can work in my child's life and you can work in my sibling's life and you can do a work that no one else can, only you. And so I want you to be thinking about what are you believing for? And most importantly, who are you believing for? We'll give you more information and more details, but we'll be ready. There'll be, it'll be very... Uh, just set up for you in a way that is conducive to you to come into an atmosphere that's full of faith and full of prayer. We'll have Sharpie markers and all this stuff. We'll be ready to serve you. But I'm excited to see the names and the scriptures that begin to fill that commons area. And then a few weeks later, we'll have Easter. And who knows, that person you wrote on that concrete may walk in those doors Easter Sunday and give their life to Christ.